Hey there, and welcome to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and I am so glad that you joined me today. This podcast is for neurodivergence by a neurodivergent. I'm an ADHD coach with ADHD and ASD, and I am here to help. So let's spend some time together now and maybe learn a few things. Hi, friends, and welcome back to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, and this week on the podcast, you know, I was hoping to get the interview with my partner out to you guys. Editing that is taking a little bit longer because, you know, it's working with two people with ADHD. So in the meantime, instead of delaying an episode any longer for you guys, I'm putting out this one. This is a little midway point on the relationship side. But emotional regulation is something that really does impact our ability to form positive connections with ourselves and others. So that's the episode for today, friends. We are going to be talking about emotional regulation, what that executive function is, and some ways that we can work with ourselves to help and improve that executive function. Before we get going, the strategies that I'm going to be talking about today are available over on my website. I have a whole blog post that actually has a nice little printable on it. So be sure to check that out as an added resource. But first, let me begin with just a few questions to kind of see if you fall under the struggles with emotional regulation. I do want to credit the author of these questions first, Phil Boisier. I think that's how you say it. I'm not quite sure. But the book is Thriving with Adult ADHD. It's a fabulous resource, very ADHD friendly. It's not one of those ones that it just drags on. It really gets to the point, and it's a book that you can utilize for each of the executive functions that are really big challenges. Now, in other episodes, I've talked about the discrepancy between the number of executive functions amongst professionals. So this book really focuses on five core executive functions. But one of those focuses is emotional regulation. So at the beginning of the book, something I love is that they have an executive functioning survey, basically. And it gives you the opportunity to kind of grade yourself on a scale of zero to two, zero being it's not a struggle, one being sometimes, and two being frequent or always. So I'm not going to ask you guys all the questions. If you're really interested in learning more, definitely check this book out. Like I said, it's a fantastic resource, and the way that it's written is very ADHD-friendly. They even include a takeaways section at the end of each chapter. So if you've had a hard time processing through some of the information, it really gives you those key points, which is great. There's lots of really helpful exercises that you can kind of do on your own. But here are some of the ways that you can kind of judge if you're struggling with emotional regulation. This is part of their assessment quiz. So here's one. Mistakes make me very upset at myself. Oh boy, Uh, is this true for me? Um, Or should I say it was true? Um, You know, I've been battling perfectionism for many years. It's a common struggle for a lot of ADHDers. Honestly, it could really be DSM criteria at this point. It's not, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist who can make that actual thing happen. But it is a really common trait among a lot of ADHDers because perfectionism is built out of trauma. And it is a fact that trauma and ADHD do have many overlaps. And that ADHDers tend to have a higher ACE score because we're exposed to so much trauma as a kid. When you are constantly being told that what you do, just things that you can't control, are wrong day in and day out, that's traumatic. 
So I want to take a moment for those of you who have had that experience to validate that. Because the sad thing I see in my coaching is that so many people invalidate that experience and chalk it up to, oh, well, you're just lazy. You're not focused enough. You're not motivated. Okay, Aunt Karen, I understand to you on the outside, it may look like me sitting on the couch is me being lazy, but actually, if you were to sit and listen to my internal dialogue when those moments happen and I am stuck in a paralysis of not being able to do the thing because my task initiation is shot, yeah, listening to that, I really want to get up and do this. I really want to go do those dishes. It would make me feel so much better to do those dishes while still being glued to the couch. Yeah, I think if people could hear that internal voice, they would have a lot less to say about being lazy or unmotivated. That's a cop-out, and it's so, so invalidating. And for any parents listening, if you are referring to your children in that way because you don't understand how they can do a thing one minute and then not do a thing the next, I strongly encourage you to learn about executive functioning and to learn about the motivators for an ADHD brain. Because our brains aren't motivated by reward and consequence. It's something we need to teach ourselves. And we can get to a place where we can use that as a motivator. But that doesn't happen overnight. And that is a whole bunch of neuroplasticity and rewiring that we need to do to get to a place like that. It's a really neurotypical way of thinking. Our brains are motivated by things like urgency and challenges. And let's face it. Our emotions have a big impact on why we do or don't do things. If we are sitting in a shame spiral, that is going to overwhelm our brain so much that getting the thing done feels like this impossible task. And the negative emotions are just going to keep running and racing through our heads, making it that much more difficult to do the thing. Another question within the assessment is, you know, difficult emotions like anger, sadness, frustration, and so on are hard to let go of. Well, gee, I wonder why. Because of these constant racing thoughts, because of the way that we talk to ourselves, because of all that trauma that we've experienced from people telling us that every single thing that we do is not right because it doesn't fit a societal standard. It's exhausting. And that constant level of stress, yeah, that has an impact on our ability to regulate our emotions because stress has an impact on executive functioning. And working memory, friends, is a big piece of emotional regulation too. We'll get to that in a little bit. How about my mood is not consistent and changes easily? Well, this is why a lot of ADHDers actually get misdiagnosed with things like bipolar because of those extreme highs and lows. Now, again, I am not a psychologist, I am not a doctor, but from my limited understanding of bipolar, the highs and lows tend to be longer periods of time. The changes in manic and depressive episodes seems to have a certain length that it kind of needs to hit. It's not like ADHD emotional dysregulation where we can literally go from being ecstatic to depressed. Our mood is not consistent. And another area where working memory has a role. Because quite honestly, with a poor working memory, there will be times where we don't even remember the thing that upset us. We just know that we had this feeling, but oh my god, I can't even remember what that person said that made me so mad. So we're taken over by this big feeling. And then once we recognize that I don't even know why I'm so mad, then we might be able to calm down a little bit. 
But another way our working memory impacts our emotional regulation is because that poor working memory is so easy to be taken over by the big emotions. So let's say you do have that really, really big fit of rage that literally floods your brain. Your working memory is not there telling you, okay, well, think about this piece of it, think about that piece of it. No, the emotion has taken charge of all of that executive functioning. And all you can think about and sit with is that anger. And it fills you up, fills up every fiber of our being, just being angry. And it's not just anger, it's any big emotion. I cannot tell you the number of times that my sadness just engulfed me or that little bit of anxiety that went from just this tiny stressor turned into something that I experienced within my whole body to the point where I got myself sick over it, physically ill, because that one mistake that I made was all I could think about. And then I ruminated within that big emotion. And as a result, I might have completely shut down or stormed off. And actually, storming off leads to a place that we can go and sit with the emotion and re-regulate ourselves. But storming off isn't the best thing for a relationship. So if you're in a fight with your partner, rather than just peacing out and walking out of that room in a fit of anger, a good strategy is to communicate to your partner or whomever you're in that argument with and say, listen, I am really getting taken over by this anger inside of me, and I don't want to say something that I'm going to regret later because I know that the emotion is going to take over all of my decision-making, and I'm going to say things that I don't really mean. So I'm going to walk away and re-regulate so that we can then talk about what just happened. This is something I use in my own relationship. If we're not talking calmly to one another, We're not going to get anything we have to say through to the other person. Being in that dual ADHD relationship, emotions can run very, very high. So this is why we need to find ways to work with our brains instead of trying to fight against it all. So what can we do to work with our brain and help regulate those emotions? Well, as we've talked about before, there are several things that do impact our executive functioning. But I'm going to preface this piece of the conversation with any diet or exercise changes should always be discussed with your doctor. I am not a medical professional, but there is research showing that diet and exercise do have an impact on our executive functioning. Exercise is a great stress management tool. It's also a really good, healthy source of dopamine. It gets other positive endorphins going within our bodies, which helps with that stress management side, of course. And also, having our physical self feel better can have an impact on our emotional self. The mind and body are very intertwined. This is part of the reason why when a doctor just hands an ADHDer some medication and says, here you go, this will fix all your problems. It usually doesn't fix all the problems because we need to recognize that ADHD impacts all the things. So just throwing a stimulant at us alone is not going to get us to the level of functionality that we want to be at. That's why we need to add in other strategies that work with our brains. I will say, when I had been medicated, I was taking a non-stimulant, and that actually helped with some of that emotional regulation. 
And that medication, combined with me working on these skills and strategies, helped me to better manage my symptoms. I'm now completely off of meds because I know now the things that work for me and don't work for me because I gave myself that opportunity to try things out while the medication was helping with that emotional regulation piece, while it was helping a little bit with that focusing piece. The biggest thing that medication helped with was the anxiety and calming that anxiety down helped me to better understand the rest of the emotional dysregulation that I was experiencing. So you may be wondering, okay, so now you're not medicated, Amanda. What do you do when your emotions get out of control? Because let's face it, it doesn't matter how many skills and strategies you know, you still have ADHD at the end of the day. So you're still going to need to utilize tools to work with your brain. So on that blog post that I mentioned earlier, I do have an emotional regulation toolkit. And some of the things in this toolkit, you might be sitting there thinking, all right, you're crazy. I'm an ADHDer. I can't meditate. I can't, you know, just sit still and do some breathing exercises. You might not be able to yet. If you're new to the podcast, I highly encourage you to go back to my meditation episode where I talk about why meditation is a challenge for most ADHDers. Let me clue you in on one little extra thing, though. Perfectionism plays a role. It does. We think that we have to be doing meditation a certain way. And if we're not doing it that way, then we're doing it wrong and it's going to serve no purpose. That's not true. We all have to start somewhere. But let's go into some of these other strategies first. At the beginning of the toolkit, you'll see grounding and mindfulness exercises. Now, there's just some samples there. There are plenty of other strategies that you can utilize. The internet is filled with grounding and mindfulness resources. But the grounding exercise that I suggest is the five senses grounding exercise because there is a difference between grounding and mindfulness and there's a difference between those two things and meditation, which I'll go into really quickly now. So grounding is really a focus on creating safety within your present moment. Mindfulness is looking at the present moment without judgment and taking things for how they are and then approaching it with curiosity and kindness. So in grounding, we're really focusing on trying to get out of the anxiety of the future and depression of the past and being present within this moment, what makes me feel good and safe. So the exercise that I've provided is the five senses exercise. Finding one thing you can taste, two things you can smell, three things you can hear, four things you can touch, and five things you can see. If you can't remember the numbers associated with each sense, then just do one of each. That's fine. But the primary piece of this is focusing ourselves back into this present moment and creating safety for ourselves. Now with mindfulness, the exercise that I provided is for you to look around and find one object that brings up a strong emotion and then to connect with that object. Explore it visually. Uh, you know, if there are any other senses that can be engaged, you know, maybe the object is a candle. So that's going to have the, the visual stim of the flame going and it's going to have the, the smell that hopefully you enjoy. I wouldn't suggest lighting a candle that makes you nauseous. <laughs> and maybe that scent brings up a positive memory for you. But the mindfulness is just recognizing all of those pieces, you know, oh, this memory was triggered by that scent. 
interesting. You know, what does that mean for me? Is it a positive thought? Is it something that, you know, I maybe don't really like the memory of? But it's looking at all those pieces with that curiosity. It's not shaming yourself for, you know, if a negative emotion came up because of the scent. It's recognizing that, oh, yeah, that that's linked to it. Interesting. Now, how can I unlink it and turn it into something more positive and safe for myself? The next emotional regulation strategy that I have listed here is take a walk. And this is a great strategy for a few different reasons. One, we're getting your body moving. That helps with re-regulating that nervous system, gets those good endorphins going. Two, you're also creating safety for your nervous system by removing yourself from the area that is making you emotionally dysregulated. So if you are in a fight with your partner, let's say, standing there with each other, both dysregulated and, you know, existing in this space of really high emotions is going to continue to keep your nervous system on alert. But removing yourself from that space intentionally and going and taking a walk, giving your nervous system time to relax back into that window of tolerance, that's going to put you at a place that it's going to be easier to communicate with your partner about the things that are feeling difficult and that maybe you were fighting about before. All right, the next one, one of my favorites, grab your pet. And if you don't have a pet, you know, you can use a fuzzy blanket or something. But this is really uh, more of a mindfulness and textural thing. You know, sitting there and petting your animal um, can be a really great sensory input for a lot of people that, that soft and fuzzy feeling is pretty nice for most of us. Not everyone though, I do recognize that. But the other thing with grabbing your pet is that animals are constantly practicing mindfulness. They don't live in the past and future the way that we do. They're much more linear. And so utilizing them can actually be, you know, a, a grounding strategy for ourselves, that it can bring us back into this present moment. And we can be mindful about the way that we're, you know, handling our pet, if we're petting them or just laying there cuddling them, we can be mindful of the feelings that, you know, are kind of being re-regulated inside of us as we're using our pet to help us calm back down. This is why emotional support animals exist, because they really truly are a great resource for re-regulating those emotions. All right, next on the list, we have stretch. Now, there are actual stretches that you can do to stretch your vagus nerve to help with re-regulating your nervous system. But even just general stretching can release some really good endorphins. And that can be a good, easy resource that doesn't take up a lot of time for you to help with re-regulating. All right, next up, we have change your environment. So taking a walk definitely does this piece, but sometimes we don't have the ability to just go and walk around town for an hour. However, we can choose to go into a different room of our home, a room where those emotions weren't initially triggered. And P.S., changing your environment is actually a really good task initiation strategy as well. If you find that the place that you usually plop down and sit in that overwhelm of, oh my God, I have so much to do, I don't know where to go from here. If the couch is that place, then go plop at your kitchen table. Go plop on the stairs. It's going to be a lot easier to get up from those spaces because that's not the place that you usually sit within that overwhelm one. All right, next up, we have movement meditation. So let's say you're not ready to try regular meditation yet. There are other types of meditation that are a little more ADHD friendly. 
movement meditation is one of them. Things like yoga and tai chi are movement meditation, and they can be really great tools for re-regulating our emotions. Tapping meditations are also one of my favorite types of meditations for getting into meditating with ADHD because they give you something to focus on to kind of help bring your mind back to those feelings and to being more present with everything that you're experiencing and more mindful. But also it gives you something to do while you're attempting to meditate. It has different meridian points that you are tapping on to help with re-regulating that nervous system. And then, of course, there is regular meditation, which I have talked about in better detail in that other podcast episode, as I mentioned earlier. And since I'm about at the 20-minute mark, I'm not going to go into all that again. But ADHDers can meditate. doesn't have to be perfect. And I have a course coming up in January to talk about ADHD meditation. So if you are interested in learning and really want to try it out, make sure that you sign up for that class. All right, then we have exercise. Um, You know, just like stretching, taking a walk, exercise is a really great stress management tool. It's great to get your body moving. Um, You know, that's a good source of positive dopamine and other really great endorphins. But talk to your doctor. We wanna make sure that we're making safe and healthy choices for ourselves. All right, and then after this, we have connection. And now connection does not need to be just a romantic partner. We can use other people to help ourselves re-regulate. If that other person, you know, can be there as a resource to talk calmly and, you know, to create a safe space for us, that can help us to re-regulate those big emotions. And we can also find connection in other ways. You don't have to be living with someone in order to have someone to connect with when you're feeling dysregulated. We can make a phone call. We can reach out to a support network on the internet. Just having that human-to-human experience can be really helpful. And the very last piece to touch on is breath work. Breath is a great way to help pre-regulate our nervous system. Um, You know, it really can create a better place of calm for ourselves. And the exercise that I provided is one of my favorites. Uh, But I do another disclaimer before you're doing different kinds of breath work. There are some things that tend to be more intense. And that's something to be really well educated on and mindful of if you're going to attempt these other things that are out there. The exercise that I provided, though, is a pretty simple one, but definitely one to make sure that you're comfortable with and that your body is not going to reject but it's pretty simple and easy to remember. So it's called four, seven, eight breathing. What we do is we inhale for four seconds, hold for seven and exhale for eight. Nice and easy. Repeat a couple of times until you start to feel a little more regulated. All right. And I'm realizing that there's so much more that I could talk about with emotional regulation. Um, But this is what's in the toolkit. Check out that blog post. You know, you can always print out that page from the blog post if you'd like. If you're looking for additional resources, of course, I do have coaching opportunities. Uh, Go check out my website for all of that. All right, friends, so we're going to stop there for today. As I said, I have so much more I could say on this topic, so I definitely will be coming back to it at another time. But in the meantime, if you have any questions or looking for extra support, please check out my website, theadhdlady.org, for some of those tools and resources and for coaching opportunities. But thank you all for tuning in to Coordinating Chaos with the ADHD Lady. I'm your host, Amanda, signing off.